Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard from Australian Brews News. Today on Beer is a Conversation, I chat with Hot Products Australia's Owen Johnston. OJ, as he is better known, is no stranger to Radio Brews News listeners, both through his role as HPA's Sale and Marketing Manager, or his previous roles as Director with the Craft Beer Industry Association, and Head Brewer and General Manager at Tasmania's Moo Brew Brewery. While we have had a number of chats with OJ about all manner of hop topics, this is the first time we have discussed advanced hop products. Long a feature of mainstream brewing, advanced hop products are starting to generate interest in the world of small brewers as well, for the functional benefits they provide the brewer. At the same time, they are creating a discussion around what their use means for notions of craft in brewing. It's a great chat about an interesting topic. Enjoy the conversation. Well, welcome back to Beer as a Conversation, Owen Johnson from Hot Products Australia. Thanks, Matt. Good to be chatting again. Yeah, Matt, I think uh, this might almost make you one of our most traffic guests. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's always good to... I mean, hops are the rock stars of the uh, of the beer world, um, and so it's not surprising we, uh, we chat about them a fair bit, but we're talking about something a little bit different today. I like to think that uh, hops are the ro- most romantic part of beer, and it's quite fitting that I'm on your show, <laughs> being the most romantic bloke in the industry. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll ask your wife about that, but... Uh... <laughs> uh, now's, not, now's not a good time. <laughs> oh, congratulations. I think uh, well, you, you, you had the uh, little one before since, since we last spoke, so congratulations on that. Thank you, mate. Six months in now. Must be a little bit nicer. Well, actually, you've been doing a bit of travel, so you were off to Germany recently. So uh, you, you're still getting around and seeing a lot of the beer world. Yes, doing my uh, best to to cover the responsibilities of the day job and uh, and the nighttime work at home. <laughs> Mate, how how are things uh, before we get into talking a little bit about advanced hot products, which uh, I've become a little bit intrigued by. Um, how are things looking down at uh, Bushy Park and Ross Trevor at the moment? Uh, you got through the 2017 harvest and we would be starting to see some shoots uh, for the 2018? Yeah, that's correct, yes. We've had, um, compared to last year or last winter, we've had quite a dry winter uh, this year. I mean, we had on Bushy Park at any rate, we had sort of three separate flooding events and, and an overall very wet mild winter this year quite a bit cooler and drier um, which suits the hops just fine um, we've seen uh, emergence and um, we've actually I think in full we've deployed strings on Bushy Park I don't think we're quite finished deploying strings on on uh, the Ross Trevor farm in Victoria but I do know that we've had um, really strong emergence um, at the start of this growing season and, and I believe we've done some vine control buying control processes already to set them back a little as as is our uh, as is our habit okay are we so things see... look like they're progressing well yeah are we going to see uh much change in acreage this year uh bushy park is um is actually going to harvest on less acres this year um due to the removal of the Summer and Helga and Willamette uh, varieties. So they've been grubbed out and redeployed, but um, but of course they don't feature in in this harvest. Uh, Ross Trevor has um, finished its its more wide sweeping uh, expansion um, and addition of acreage with another 16 hectares 
going in out on the Buffalo River, which will, uh, I believe, due to the nature of the material that went into the ground, that will feature in a harvest as a, as a first-year harvest, which we get quite a lot of questions about whether that's possible. And uh, fingers crossed, it is if you get everything right. So we're looking forward to seeing how we go. Oh, nice one. Oh, well, well, we'll probably touch base with you a little bit closer to January, February next year, just uh, in, in the lead up to the 2018 harvest to see how it's all going and see what people can expect. Absolutely. But anyway, we're talking post-harvest today. Yes, one of the things that I've been a little bit intrigued about and I wanted to get you on to talk us through was the idea of um, advanced products um, in the hop world. So I, I guess maybe if you could just sort of start talking about um, when we talk about advanced products, what we're referring to. Yeah, so advanced products covers, uh, is a bit of an umbrella term that covers um, all sorts of um, elements from hop, from the raw hop that can be refined or modified and applied in the brewing context. So in, in sort of broad categories, you can, um, you can talk about process aids uh, like antifoams or you can talk about flavour active um, you know, or, or aromatic fractions of the hop, um, which can be refined or purified or concentrated up and, and applied for, for those aromatic outcomes. Um, and of course, then there's the sort of more general, uh, generally uh, accepted and, and, and of higher awareness in the um, bittering products through um, CO2 extract and a, and a new product we've got called Flex, which is a bit easier uh, to apply in the craft setting, which is a which is a, a you know a flowable CO2 extract. Okay. So they've they've been around for a long, long time. Um, the the certainly the bittering comp, the bittering extracts have been around for a long time. Some of the pure hop aromas, uh, some of the refined um, oils are uh, newer products. Um, yeah, and I, we're seeing quite a lift in in interest in these um, products. We. We are building off a small base, of course, but um, but yeah, the number of inquiries and and the numbers of brewers playing around with these tools is um, definitely increasing. Okay, is is that with the rise in aromatic beer characters? You know, beers with an aromatic hop character that we, we've seen this evolution of the uh, so some of the uh, flavour and aroma profile extracts. Yeah, look, I think it's driven by a couple of things. In the first instance, the interest in differentiation of a beer from uh, from other people's beers. Uh, people are, or the brewers are always looking for ways in which to make their beer stand out just a little bit or, or be slightly quirky or different to, to another product. You know, some judicious use of, of products can help with your flavour profiles in the final product. The other major reason is is through process and procedural improvement in the breweries, uh, especially where some brew houses, for instance, are, um, I don't know how to say this, like like older designs that are sort of lager-orientated brew houses that uh, that might struggle with modern hop loads in their whirlpools or, or, or other such examples like that. So mm. from a process improvement point of view, some of these products can have uh, have advantages and, and be readily applicable. You know, so... So I guess oh, the process or flavour is pretty much brewing in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah, there's a whole lot of uh, threads to this one. But I, I guess um, we might talk about some of the products first and then talk about some of the philosophy uh, behind craft later. So talk to me about some of the uh, kettle and fermenter applications, which is the uh, pre-fermentation applications and what some of the products that brewers are using. Yeah, so we sort of touched on... Um, 
the supercritical CO2 extract uh, where you, know, you can create a base bittering load pre-boil. They still need a boil um, to isomerise the alpha that's, that's contained in the extract. Uh, they're, they're a good way of unloading the uh, organic matter out of your kettle if you're either having high losses or you're getting some, some other maybe taint from, um, from high hop loads in, in the kettle. Um, sometimes replacement or displacement over to extract is, is a suitable thing. Um, the application of CO2 extracts are not common in small brew houses because, frankly, they're very strong um, the two products we list are 57 and 65% alpha, and you know, in a, in a 10 heck or under sort of brew house, there that's you're just using a thimbleful. You're not using much to create. <laughs> you your, almost your have to just think about using them to to get the effect. Yeah, don't slip because uh, you'll know you know in the final product. So so uh, you know, horses for courses with all the applications. The caveat here is all of these products. The application is very site specific, and 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 you have to have a clear purpose behind. Uh, you know the, what the final outcome is that you're looking for. So bittering, bittering is definitely a um, a common uh, a common uh, first call for brewers who are starting to investigate some of these advanced products. Um, it's very easy to use, same calculations that you would use on a day-to-day basis, uh, just slightly you know higher alpha numbers um, and slightly higher utilisation. Outside of bittering, we have uh, we have hop-derived antifoams to you know, replace potentially uh, silicon-based antifoams. Um, we have, you know, you can have the same wax fraction of the uh, of the hop can be used in in the kettle. You know, what's quite an aggressive environment, or over in the fermenter, uh, they're actually two slightly different products. Um, yeah, and they they're very effective, and and we get a lot of engagement from brewers who are keen to return to you know, or like the idea of of a hop derived. Anti-foam. We do see a lot of brewers using silicon products, for example. So these are a more natural product, are they? Well, they're entirely hop-derived. Um, so in that sense, I guess, yes. Okay. What's the benefit then? What's the functional benefit that brewers would use those for? Well, typically, um, especially in the kettle, controlling foaming in the kettle, uh, if you've ever used a, a brew house that's got aggressive uh, boil and maybe maybe a steam supply that's not, not able to be moderated appropriately. Um, there, there really are um, <laughs> very functional, almost essential uh, from a safety point of view. Um, and if you can, uh, you know, potentially you can even maximise the volumes you, you see in your kettle um, if you don't have to account for aggressive foaming during the boil. Same applies in the fermenter. Uh, potentially you can utilise um, that uh, headspace that typically would run between say 22 and 25 percent of the fermenter volume to allow for uh, for the high kraus, and you'd be able to potentially fill that up much further if uh, if you're confident that your anti foam can do the job. So you know that's time is time is money in these uh, in these fermenters, and and being able to push uh, push a bigger volume uh, out per brewing cycle is um, yeah that's right in the engine room. Fair enough, and so. Post fermentation, once we've been through you know those sort of functional aids up front, post fermentation when we're looking at the character of the beer, um, we've seen a whole range of um, hop oils and you know pure hop aromas designed to add character to the beer. Talk us through those. How are they made, and you know what sort of applications are we seeing them in? Yeah, all right. So to, to a um, to a how they're made sort of perspective, they um, they take a CO two 
extract uh, in, in full and uh, put it through a specialised distillation kit and fraction off and, and are able to select for, uh, you know, in almost like cups, like uh, the whiskey sense in the spirit mm-hmm. sense. Um, you can uh, select different cuts that with further distillation or, or otherwise um, purification can come to represent um, a very tight spectrum of compounds. Uh, and, and through further processing, you can say, for instance, compound A is citrusy. Let's, um, let's work that fraction up to further refine and purify so we get that citrusy fraction out the other side. And what we do with all the other fractions is, is you know, depends on what they are, but certainly through... Um, some specific targeting of these fractions, we can capture some very aromatically active and powerful um, compounds, and yeah, turn 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 them to some applications in uh, in the final product. So once once you've uh, once we've got a, a, a pure hop aroma, we can then talk about the why of of, of applying it in in your setting, in your beer, in your in your brewery. We don't really see um, full replacement of hops, uh, for instance, in dry hopping as its primary purpose. It's more about complexity, differentiation, or achieving an intensity that you're struggling with through your your normal um, methods in your brewery. So, in that way, um, you know, application of these of these aroma products post fermentation can can try can help a brewer try and achieve. Um, a flavour outcome that they've, uh, you know, uh, envisaged this beer representing, but haven't quite made it to that point. Hearing you talk about it, you can't help but think about, you know, what the challenge is to, you know, notions of what craft means. One of the things that uh, small independent brewers have always held themselves up on, apart from independence, is this idea of craft, where they're going back to traditional methods um, and. You know, uh, Tetra Hops was seen as one of the the things that marked out big brewers who were making, you know, bland lagers is is the phrase often thrown around. Mm. Does the use of these start to challenge what notions of craft are and what craft brewing is? Yeah, I think uh, I think there's often some some debate about these things, and and some people are you know they take a philosophical standpoint and they want to make beers. From from the big four, um, you know, and and more power to them. I um, I appreciate that. Um, the debate for me, or the, the question for me, really, is is it appropriate for craft to define itself around, um, you know, hinge itself around traditional methods? I, I think we have a fantastic opportunity as as modern craft brewers to create flavours and beers of difference and and intensity through, you know, basically any means. That um, that we can, as long as they're acceptable to the consumer. Um, just like some brewers will take a stand on on uh, process aids and and advanced products like this, some maybe some consumers will as well. But you really, I, I don't really hear those conversations out in the in the trade. Um, so what I hear is people saying, "Geez, I love that hot profile," and mm. no one really asks about whether it's uh, assisted by a hop derived product or is or is just from raw hop people are not really not really interested in those details they want to know whether they like it or not yeah i, I guess you do tend to see a little bit about things like a bio cloud for example you know whether or not that's but then 
I, I guess that's balanced with uh, you hear stories in, in the US of with the craze for New England IPAs, people throwing in or, uh, apple pectins or um, milk solids to, to try and get that cloudiness. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and they don't have a functional benefit. They're just really there purely for a visual uh, aid. And are we starting to get to the stage in craft brewing where there's a maturation um, and people are looking a little bit differently and looking at more qualitative um, outcomes rather than philosophical ones? Yeah, that's, a, there's a, there's, that's quite a quite a complex question you've asked there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I do that a bit, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I tried to keep all of that in the front of my mind while you were saying it, but I think I lost it. So let me use a Tetra example there. Yep. Um, in, in a similar way to that, uh, the Hayes um, debate that's raging uh, at the moment, so let's pitch a hypothetical here that you know you have a um, a fruit beer um, with a very light malt base or a high sugar plus the adjunct fruit, um, and it's destroyed the head stability. Now, I can offer you a tool that will aid in in head stability in in a beer that you have created that you're satisfied with, but the consumer is struggling to find acceptance with because it doesn't live up to their expectations on this appearance element. Mm-hmm. Now, depending on who you are, um, you know, and, and what kind of brewer you are, you might say, thank you very much, I'll take that uh, increase in head stability. Um, how do I use it? Thank you very much, that's great. Others will say, you know, the recipe is what it is and I'll continue to work on it, and, you know, in, uh, using the traditional methods until, uh, until I get there, which might be never. Um, you know, so you've, you've, got, you've definitely got two viewpoints on this issue and... and you know, we don't seek to preach um, uptake of products, but but what I what I would say is that some of these tools are out there to help solve problems in execution or in what is achievable in certain recipe um, matrix. Uh, you know, and they should be they should be given consideration um, as as tools of the trade. Oh, I guess that's the, the the flip side that I always come back to is, you know. When thermometers were first used by brewers, I remember reading in Randy Mosh's book, Tasting Beer, that the, the traditional family saw th- the use of thermometers as, uh, you know, sort of newfangled inventions that weren't good for beer. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, it's technical evolutions and the uptake of, of, of sort of, if you like, pure science into applied science is, is always uh you know a timely thing or, or the timing of that is is very important um uh you know applied science you know science, pure science is sometimes an, an invention is sometimes kind of sits out in its own space until someone else says oh i can i can use that fraction of a r- weird botanical to create a flavor in this beverage here you know there's, there's sometimes it takes a takes a leap of faith to apply some pure science and, um, and 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 work up acceptance like that. It's funny to think about things like the thermometer, um, you know, and you could throw into their Van Leeuwenhoek's microscope and Louis Pasteur finally describing, you know, this this um, agent called you know called yeast yep. uh, and and the the seismic shake up in in brewing science that those things um, would have would have caused. You know, and if you if you were to if you were to flatly refuse to use these tools that were available to um, help you in your brewing endeavours, you, you would be out of business by now. 
Yeah. Do you think they take some of the romance out of you know, the notions of brewing? Um, yeah, look, in some ways they probably do. I mean, it depends whether you call the, the natural, I suppose, process uh, variations and the variations in the final product as romance or as chaos. Um, you know, I'm, from my brewing perspective, I personally value uh, my consumers' confidence in my product very, very highly. I, as a brewer, I was always very keen to put out a repeatable, high-quality product, um, and I didn't really want to... I wasn't really satisfied with, with variations batch-to-batch. Batch. And some of these products will help you mitigate against batch-to-batch batch variation. Um, inherently, uh, you know, with the PHA products, the pure hop aroma products, um, if you were to, say displace 30% of your dry hop charge with a with an aromatic product um, it does become more predictable uh, when when used when used correctly um, is that destroying the romance for the beer I'm not sure yeah but again as you said it's uh, you know you just sort of don't preach and it's uh, horses for courses depending on what the outcome brewers want to achieve Yep, and if you if you um, value batch to batch variation, like there are examples of brewers out there who who celebrate, uh, you know, whether it's through the provenance of their raw materials or or their, you know, their particular um, brewing environments that they get batch to batch variation. Yeah, good on you. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what you're up to. That's great. Go for it. Um, if you're if you're under some more pressure to manufacture a repeatable product, the romance probably does come out of it a little bit when you start to start to move it toward manufacturing. And, and, and are we seeing a noticeable uptake in some of these products? Um, well, I can speak to the HPA um, experience with them. And, and again, coming off quite a low base here in Australia, um, we're taking many more inquiries now um, through, um, through the Australian industry um, with people looking to explore the potential and, and the application of these, of these sorts of products, whether it's, you know, um, a move to hop-derived antifoams, the CO2 extracts for bittering, or the aromatic products. There's definitely some interest coming. Um, we, you know, through our, our website traffic, we know that, um, you know, we've had something like a 50% increase in, in traffic coming directly to the to the products. You know, so so I wouldn't say it's common by any stretch, but but definitely the interest in these things is is is, is on the up. And uh, I think if you if you take a look at the yeah, we always take a look at the US market. Their experience is happening here in, in fast forward where uh, we're still quite a way behind the application of products in the craft space. Um, that said, with, with some caveats about the size of their craft breweries and the technological advanced state of their craft breweries, um, they, uh, yeah, they, they do take and accept and try these, um, these advanced top products more readily than, than Australian breweries do currently. What do you think is driving the interest here? Is it the in, in increased pressure? Is it um, you know consumers demanding more consistency, or do, do you pick up anything from brewers who just uh, discuss them with you? What's driving their interest? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, we, you know, we sort of touched on them in terms of um, flavor diversity or, or process improvement. Uh, some some are angling for reduction of losses and increases in efficiency and productivity gains, and you know, sort of working on an economic slant like that um so yeah we we do we do get a lot, a lot of sort of in-depth conversations about what uh what what issues we're trying to solve with these tools 
it's not like um, you know a box of hop A that you sell into a brewery and they can make a make a heap of different styles out of it. And um, you know, and that's kind of like once they've got the hop, the brewer once the brewer's got the hops, they're at liberty to do whatever they want with them. Um, these products are often a very targeted call or a very targeted discussion where you, you know you get that situation where I've got this issue in my kettle. I can't moderate my steam and I keep boiling over and can you help me out? Tell me how to use this product or, or does it work in my situation? Let's have a try. Uh, so that's how we, that's, that's typically how we get started. That has pretty much covered off the uh, questions that I wanted to ask. Is there anything else that you can think uh, that answers the, you know, the frequently asked questions you get um, from brewers? Well, yeah, I, I think um, I think only in closing, it's kind of um, you know if you can get past the philosophical differences with those who do and those who don't uh, use use advanced products. These these things are pretty excellent uh, tools to have in the tool belt, you know, in your brewery to help solve some problems. And I, I would I would say, you know, to people um, don't. Don't judge them too quickly. Um, they are, you know, in a lot of senses, they're they're wholly hop derived. I, I personally don't think they erode the romance of of, of our uh, favourite ingredient in beer. Um, I think they're a really uh, practical and and focused tool to help brewers make better beers. Does anything have to appear on the label, or you know, like, do, does it take away from any claims they can make about you know that the beers are, are made using natural ingredients or anything like that when, when they use some of these uh, advanced products not that i'm aware of not not under uh, not under australian legislation and and frankly you know for the ones that are are 100 hop derived um i don't think we deviate off having hops on the label mm. I, I i would have to you know i would have to encourage people to do their own work in that sense but yeah. uh, but uh, but it's, it's my understanding uh, that, that no they don't have to feature on the label and mate, before i let you go just to take away from hpa and uh, advanced products um how's the uh, the, the hop trial beer co going uh, have, have we seen any releases this year around the ridges uh earlier in the year we had a couple um we did uh we did a, a couple of galaxy single hops and um and cascade uh and then it went a little bit quiet while uh, while my personal life got a little bit busy and <laughs> <laughs> but with uh with the drinking weather just around the corner we're looking to uh to uh, put out another beer very shortly um the hop variety is tba so uh i look forward to to uh you know letting you in on whatever the next hop variety is and have you done any playing around with the uh, advanced products yourself? Is that I guess that's not really fitting within your purpose of the Hop Trial Beer Company, though, is it? Well, yeah, well, strangely enough, it, it fits in perfectly because ah. the Hop on Trial, <laughs> the Hop on Trial, is uh, is on trial in a in a really steady, repeatable base beer that I would hope people come to uh, know well, and so that they can appreciate the differences in the aromatic influence of the hop that is on trial. So to that end, we actually bitter all of those beers with CO2 extract uh, entirely. So for instance, uh, if you're using a hop like Ella, you, I don't want people to judge a flavor or aroma hop on its, on its bittering characteristic because that's not the point here. Um, the sensory information and discussion should be in the aromatics and the flavor of that hop. Not, not that, Ella doesn't make a particularly good bittering hop, uh, so we have structured the recipe to be entirely bittered with uh, generic CO2 extract 
to sort of create a level playing field so different hops, the, the aroma and flavour of different hops can be judged uh, without, without the clutter of, of variable bitterness. Wow. There you go. I didn't realise that. And that's always been the case for, because I mean, that's very much around the, the purpose of what you're doing with the, uh, the hop trial beers is to really showcase those usages. That's exactly right. So the whole the whole purpose is to uh, put put the aromatic character of a hop on trial and um, and having a, a steady and uh, level playing field behind that is uh, is you know an essential part of <laughs> trying to uh, trying to highlight the the differences in in the hops. Excellent. Well, how widely will the next uh, hop trial beer be available? Is it it's pretty much just uh, Tasmania, or does it get across to uh, to the Big Island? It does. We do export to the to the country of Australia sometimes. <laughs> um, we tend to go into the into those uh, more popular, uh, you know, uh, craft orientated venues. We're, we've been in Adelaide, Sydney, Melbourne, um, and of course all around Hobart. Terrific. I'll have to get uh, some of the publicans, the good publicans in Brisbane, to uh, to get onto you. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep, yep. We'll uh, we're more than happy to. We've got our export licences sorted out, so we can ship wherever we want. <laughs> Terrific, OJ. Well, mate, it's always a pleasure. Um, yeah, look forward to touching base with you uh, probably over the middle of summer to find out how the 2018 harvest is going. But thanks for uh, answering some of my questions about the uh, advanced products. No problem at all. Look forward to giving you a, uh, an update on the growing season probably uh, late January. I reckon we should touch base. Beautiful. That sounds good. Okay, AJ, AJ yeah, look forward to, well, no doubt we'll see you before then, but I look forward to uh, catching up on Beer as a Conversation then. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. And that was Owen Johnston from Hot Products Australia. Radio Brews News and Beer as a Conversation are made possible by our generous sponsors, Cryer Malt and Brewpack, who are not only supporting this conversation, they're supporting the good beer industry, and we thank them for their support. We also thank our Radio Brews News paid subscribers, who donate a small amount each month to help keep the conversation going as well. If you like what we do and you would like to support the show yourself, you can find a link in the show notes. You can make a one-off or regular small donation. You can also help us by helping others to find the show by leaving a review on iTunes or your favourite podcasting app. Finally, you can join the conversation by sending some feedback, comments or suggestions to producer at brewsnews.com.au. Thanks for joining us for the conversation this week. We look forward to joining you again next week. Music.